Welcome to Postscript. My name is Dave Severns, and with me today is lead pastor Paul Eastwood. We are back after a long break. How are you doing, Paul? I'm doing great and ready to have a great conversation about the church. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited. We're starting a new series this fall, and I don't know if I've ever been in a crazier church startup trying to figure out what's going on season, as I expect we're all feeling in every area of our lives, thanks to COVID-19. No um, kidding. Do you want to do you want to give us a little recap from Sunday? What is it we talked about? Uh, yeah. And, and why? Yeah. So so we as you said, we started this new series and I'm really excited about it, to be honest. Um, and it's a weird time to be talking about this. And some people might even suggest that it's the wrong time to be talking about this because yep. the big idea that we're talking about is gathering. And why is it that the church gathers? And and I think that right now in the midst of a pandemic is probably the time that people are asking the question, why do I go to church anyways? You mm-hmm. know, because all of a sudden you've had months of being at home, watching online, doing whatever it is. And then all of a sudden it's like, wait a second, like, okay, do I really need to go to church? Do yep. I really need to gather with other people? Because my faith seems fine and it's been months and I'm kind of enjoying it. Right. So, and so we, we kind of get into this place where we're asking this question and it's not a new question, of course, because people have been asking it for a long time. But I think and I think that if you were to ask your friends and say, hey, you know, like, tell me about faith or God or, you know, whatever. And people would say, well, I'm I'm interested in spirituality or I I believe in God even, but I'm not interested in the organized stuff Mm -hmm. like the church just isn't for me. And so the question is, can you be a follower of Jesus and not go to church? And that is a question that. I think is worth exploring. And so we're going to take four weeks to talk about why we gather. And then this week we started with this idea of we gather for family. We gather because it is intrinsically who we are is foundational to who we are, Hmm. that we are a part of a we and we're not just individuals on our own. Yeah. Uh, That's something that was really clear right from the very beginning in the Bible. And that's how we've been designed and wired. Yeah, I love that. You know, I, I saw a uh, a meme on one of my social media accounts a couple of weeks ago that that was, you know, the church for 2000 plus years talks about how the church isn't the church building. And then this pandemic hits and all these pastors are yelling about how we want everyone back in the church building. So how is what we're doing now different than that? How is that not that? Because I, I mean, I know and I think, you know, we're not trying to manipulate people. We're not trying to twist people's arm. We're not trying to guilt people back into church. So what is it we're doing? If not that. Well, I think what we're doing is building followers of Jesus, right? Building people who are growing and developing in their faith. That's what the church always should be about, growing disciples, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, we start, we finished our Matthew series with this great commission and we're reminded that, you know, what we're supposed to be about is, is um, you know, building disciples, growing disciples. And so I think what's, what's important to know is that, you know, that the the service, the church service, as we see it today, is not a God ordained uh, must have uh, experience. Yep. The services that we experience on Sunday in our churches are a contextual option uh, that, you know, that can be reimagined in fresh ways and in different ways, you know, to keep God's people united together mm. and growing. The service isn't something that you have to be at. Gathering with God's people 
is. Mm. So then the next question is, well, okay, well, what about if I just gather with a small group or I gather with my buddies or I gather with my, my friends yep. and we go out for coffee and talk about spiritual things. Isn't that the same thing? And I would argue, no, it's not the same thing. It's important. It's part of discipleship. But gathering with a local body of believers is something that's unique. And it's unique because we're putting people together who come from all kinds of different backgrounds, like weird spaces mm-hmm. and people you would never hang out with otherwise. Yeah. But we need those people in our lives because they become like mirrors to us and they reflect mm-hmm. back to us how our faith is being expressed. Yeah. You know, and when the, when the Bible talks about, um, you know, uh, fruits of the spirit, for instance, something that we always talk about all the time is, uh, you know, in Galatians talks about, you know, these, these fruits of the spirit that need to be evident in our lives uh, that demonstrate that we are followers of Jesus. You'll notice that those fruits of the spirit, patience and kindness and peace, like those things actually require other people mm-hmm. to be expressed. Um, you can't express some of those things on your own. And, you know, that's why, like, you know, kindness, for instance, you know, like how, how can you express kindness just in your room on your own? Um, there, those need to be expressed in community. And so when we are with people that we that are not like us or are different than us or whatever it is, that's the real power in the gathering that happens. Yeah, I love that. I mean, it's uh, it's hard and it's messy. And we, we've you and I have talked a bit about this already, uh, not here, but um you know, I've, I've said a couple of times throughout this pandemic, you know, I can't, I can't wait to get back to gathering with people, even the people I don't like. Um, yeah. and, and it's not, I mean, that, that sounds really, really crass. And like, I don't like people at our church, but I mean that in a way that like my natural disposition to everyone in our church, isn't like, man, these are my favorite people. Um, yeah. they're not people I would naturally call up on a Friday night and go hang out with or go on a hike with on a Sunday morning if I wasn't at church. And that's part of what's so important about gathering is that yeah. I actually learn and am shaped by and have opportunity to practice the gospel with people who, who kind of grate me the wrong way some days or, or say things that I think, oh, that's really not, you know, I can't do that. Um, there's, there's good in that and there's opportunity for the gospel to flourish in that and to, to grow me as a disciple. Yeah. And I, and I think that sometimes, you know, that we take for granted the things that are so, um, common in our lives. Yeah. And, and I think the church is one of those examples where through the pandemic, we actually have an opportunity to understand, um, in a way what the church, how the church functioned and why it was important, uh, in the earliest stages, in the earliest days. And to me, that's really fascinating because all of yeah. a sudden we found ourselves in a spot where it's like, um, if you think about the early church and how people gathered. So let me let me even go back a little further. Yes. Right from the very beginning, God's people gathered to worship him and to encourage each other. At the beginning, it was just simply around altars. Someone would, you know, build an altar and they would make a sacrifice to God and the people of God would come around and mm-hmm. there would be this gathering of God's people. You know, from there, uh, as things started to develop and God's people were being organized, you know, Mount Sinai, and, and all of a sudden there was this tabernacle or a tent that they would carry around and this would be the place that they would gather. Yep. Eventually that turned into the temple and the temple was the place that they would gather. And then what happened is that there, there was these Jewish synagogues that were built. And it's interesting that in these Jewish synagogues, although they were gathering together, there were no altars in the synagogues. Hmm. They believed that they still needed to go to Jerusalem to offer those sacrifices because that was the temple, the, the place. Right. Yep. 
But there was this sense of these local gatherings that started to emerge out of necessity because of the way that we're wired, because of the way that we were designed. And so as you come into, you know, the present day and, and you know, we now have these church buildings that we come to. Uh, but what I think about is back in, in the history where they didn't have the opportunity to gather because they didn't have a space mm-hmm. and there was persecution and it was dangerous. And, you know, people were, were always sort of, you know, kind of on top of them. <laughs> and so Christians were like, you know, sort of scurrying around, trying to find those places where they could gather together because they needed to. And next week, we're going to talk about this idea of survival and how that kind of fits into all of this. But what I'm trying to get at is that is that we have this unique opportunity today in a pandemic where we've been forced to be separate Mm -hmm. to kind of feel what it's like to desire to be with God's people because we need to get back to like, you know, gathering with people who who love Jesus so that we can be inspired and encouraged. And um, and I think that for a lot of us, I would say um, it, I'll go out on a limb here and say for a lot of us, we don't actually miss church um, that much. Hmm. Some of us do deeply. But if you find yourself in a place where you just don't miss church, then maybe we've kind of misunderstood what those gatherings should be all about. Yeah. Because I think that in our heart of hearts, we should miss gathering with God's people because we need it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Maybe I was just babbling on there for a minute, but like, no, I, I think you're on something. Kinda... And, and I mean, again, we've talked about this and as I've, uh, you know, I've been thinking a lot about technology and live stream and stuff and, and what is it to create a service to, to curate and put together something that, um, allows people to engage. Right. I mean, I, this is one of the differences between performance, which is good performance in any way. You know, it's, it's helpful to have good aesthetics and to get people thinking about something, which good performances do. But there's a difference between that and inviting someone into something. And our services should invite us all into something. It's one of the mm-hmm. reasons, if you tuned into our live stream last week, we now have three camera shots instead of one. And one mm-hmm. of them is a GoPro that's mm-hmm. up on the mezzanine at the front, pointed back at the entire church. Mm-hmm. Um, you see the bit of the stage, but you see the entire church. Because that's what this gathering's about. It's actually not about primarily about what happens on stage. We try to lead well from stage, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, even before this, I think it was easy in our culture, in our context, to treat church as something we come to to consume. Say, like, exactly. I've kind of checked it off the box, I'm, and this series should be challenging that notion. Um, it's not a, you need to come back right now. You know, if you don't feel safe yet coming to church, if you've got health concerns, if there are good reasons for you to stay away, we are with you. We're going to keep supporting you with our online services. We miss you. We're going to keep trying to find creative ways to engage you and, yeah. and help you engage other people in the church, because we think it's so important. Um, but there's something there in, in being yep. able to connect with people, uh, to do church together with others, uh, and, and the time not only spent in our services, but the time before or after. And it's been one of the really hard things about this pandemic, even in our live person, in-person services, right? We're still six feet apart. We still have masks. It's, yep. it's harder to make those connections. So we're trying to get creative with being outside and, 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 you know, finding other ways and spaces and methods of connecting. Um, cause that's what so much of this yeah. is about is, is gathering is not consuming. It's connecting and, and engaging together. Yeah. So let me touch on something you just said there, because, you know, we definitely feel like for those of you who can't be here, we understand and yeah. you, you need to, you need to, um, you know, we want you to stay safe and we want you to know we miss you. But I also want to challenge you to, you know, think about your involvement in the church hmm. and in your level of engagement in the church. 
Because frankly, if you don't have the opportunity to come and be shoulder to shoulder with other followers and other you know people who are uh, followers of Jesus, it's going to be harder for you to you know quote unquote be the church. Yep. It's going to take extra effort. And you know I talked about three things on Sunday. Um, that that help that help paint a picture of like someone who is coming to church for family, mm. you know. And the first one is that we stop expecting our own way and start looking to the collective way. What what is our you know big picture? Um, now the the second thing was uh, you know coming to church expecting to get something, yeah. and you know thinking about what we are going to give. And then the third thing was. Um, you know, was really this idea of coming to church indifferent to the people around us. Now, hmm. the one I want to focus in on is the second one, because what, how do you come to your experience online with an, with an opportunity to give? Hmm. That's tough, yeah, right? Yeah, it's really tough. But it, it involves some creativity. It's not impossible, but it involves some creativity. And I'm not suggesting that it's just about making comments on the, you know, whatever, that kind of thing. But it's about recognizing the way that you've been gifted and saying, okay, now how can I use the way that I've been gifted to bless the church? And yep. recognize that the church, as much as we're saying, yes, you need to gather as a church, we're, we know, everybody knows the church is not the building itself or the service, it's the people. So yep. how can you bless your church family with your gifts? Mm -hmm. And if you are at home right now and needing to stay home, that's great. Think about though how you are going to use your gifts to give back to the to the body. That that's that's tough, mm -hmm. yeah, but it's, it's worth thinking about. Oh, absolutely, and yeah, I mean, if you've got if you've got ideas, even in how we can help better facilitate that or offer things, right. like let us know. We're um, it's a pandemic, right? We're trying to figure this out. We're doing our best, um, and and it's hard. Uh, I mean, yeah, technology is good at sometimes tricking us into feeling like we have made deep connections. I'm reading a fascinating book right now called Re Reclaiming Conversations, and it it's mm -hmm. basically um, why smartphones are ruining society. But there's hope mm -hmm. in it, right? Like if we learn mm -hmm. to put down our smartphones and engage around the dinner table specifically and around the conversations we have, right, we can kind of retrain ourselves. And uh, in, in fact, it's funny, technology makes us less empathetic. Um, mm -hmm. When you do something in person and you see someone else's reaction, we, and especially children, actually learn how to better treat one another. And if you do yeah. it online and you don't see their reaction, you feel much better about something bad. Um, so technology makes us less empathetic. It kind of blocks us from doing this, which is one of the reasons we're saying, you know, if you've got a great reason to stay home, stay home. But if you can join us, um, yeah. we think there's something that's worth it. I don't know about you, but I, when we st restarted our services, our in-person services, I thought this isn't going to be a great experience. Um, it'll be yeah. fine, but you know, I'm not sure it's going to be better than the online experience, especially at home with kids, right? There's more to deal with. Now yeah. I have to bring them into the service with me. And I was surprised at how good it was. I was surprised at how much being with people and saying hi to people, distance with masks, um, mm -hmm there's something there that's kind of hard to put my finger on that I'd been missing. And I yeah. think that's part of what this together series is about is that like that hard thing and, and how we can grow in that, how we can all lean in and get better at that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, the big, the big idea that we've been thinking about is, is that we come to church for others. Um, mm -hmm. you know, when we think about this idea of family, we're coming for the rest of the people that are there. Yeah. And, you know, one of the, the things that jumped off the page this this time, and I actually spoke about it on Sunday, was the idea that, 
you know, speaking the truth in love is a part of this big thing, you know, from Ephesians that talks about, you know, how we're, how we're put together and, and the importance of the church and what mm-hmm. everybody, you know, all this kind of stuff yeah. in the midst of all that, there's this idea of like speaking the truth in love. And I think that as you know, we don't like to go down this road of like actually speaking truth into people's lives or being confrontational in any way. Yeah. We just want everyone to be happy and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Or maybe I'm just speaking for myself. I don't know. <laughs> but here's the but the thing is, though, how important it is for us to be able to correct each other and to lovingly support one another and not just be indifferent. You know, when someone yeah. is is acting a certain way it's easy to just be like, uh, whatever and move on. Mm -hmm. But if we care about the mission of the church and if we care about this idea that God has put us together in order to accomplish something, then we need the best out of every one of us. And so Mm -hmm. each one of us has to be intentional about getting the best out of each other. And I would say that, you know, there is an, uh, an element of, of correction and, and speaking the truth sometimes in a negative like way to, to, you know, confront sin or whatever it happens to be. But I think there's also an idea of an encouragement and, you know, kind of the other side of things. Yeah. And so I'd suggest for some of you, you know, you may want to, you know, think of someone in the church that is kind of far from your, um, you know, social circle, someone that you've maybe come in contact with on a serving team or you volunteer together at the food bank or something and you don't know them that well. Mm-hmm. You know, go to your email and, and start typing in some names and see if, if you have email contacts for someone that you haven't talked to for a while. Yeah. And then use that as the starting point to make a connection with somebody and begin a conversation and find out how life is going and, you know, where they're at and how they're feeling and all that stuff. One of the things I think is really important is that in a church our size, um, one of our one of the things I think we're moving towards and is that is that we don't need professionals to serve each other. Um, you, mm. as a, as a person in the church, should not be waiting for a pastor to call you or support you. Um, yep. You should feel supported when uh, someone else in the church connects with you. Right. So. Right. So we need to sort of decentralize this idea of care where we support Mm -hmm. one another because we love each other, because we want the best in each other. And that means being intentional about other people. Yep. And I'm not suggesting for a second that every one of you has to be intentional about every single person. No, you can't solve all the problems, but think about one person and how you might encourage them or how you might challenge them and, and in a loving and caring way. So I think that's something that we can't miss in this. Yeah. And you, you know, our, our women's ministry is actually uh, kind of engaging with this, not, not just with each other, but kind of outside uh, as well. They're, they're doing DIY women's ministry this fall. Yeah. Uh, for the most part, they're, they're not running programs. They're not having a, uh, you know, a staff or volunteer key volunteer led Bible study. They're, they're encouraging people to get out there and to care for one another. And, and that's what the gospel looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, but we need to be together, like we need to, to gather in a way to do that. And and I think, as we've said, gathering, obviously it's easier in person, but there's ways to do it online. And if you're, if you're still in the place where that's what you need to do, that's great. I want to just, as we, as we wrap up here, Paul, I want to just talk a little bit about the word family. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it's kind mm-hmm. of a loaded word, right? For some of us, yeah. family's a great thing. For some of us, it's a pretty dysfunctional thing. Mm-hmm. Um, for some people I've, I've been in context, I've lived far away from family, uh, earlier in my marriage and, uh, you know, family was uh, not my own family, but other people had such deep 
connections with families that we were kind of never invited into those circles. And that was really hard, right? It's kind of like, ah, this is a church with deep family connections. Everyone's already connected. I can never get in. How how do we be welcoming uh, as a a church family? And what does it look like to define each other as family? Why is that the right kind of terminology? Well, I think it's the right kind of terminology because we don't get an opportunity to pick our family. Hmm. And for those of you who are living in or, or, you know, in kind of dysfunctional situations, you know what it's like to care about someone for with whom you have some pretty strong disagreements. Um, You know, there are moments where we are with, you know, someone in our in our context, like a family member and, and, you know, you have to support them financially. And it's something that you keep doing and you do it because they're family or, you, Mm -hmm. you know, like there's kind of that language that comes into it. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, that we are better as people together than we are apart. And to me, family is something that that brings us together in a way that, you know, community or like, um, you know, some of the other language, even I mean, body is another one that's used in the Bible a lot that kind of indicates mm-hmm. our the connectedness and how we need to sort of support and, and, and you know, support each other. Yep. But yeah, I think family touches on it the most. Now, what do we do? I, you know, I, I think about um, I think about the picture of of, um, you know, fostering or maybe mm. even adoption. Yeah. And um, I remember I spoke to someone at our church and they described their upbringing as they said, I always remember in our house there were always extras. And what they meant by that is that there were other people in the house uh, at all times who cool. were invited to the dinner table um, you know, it welcomed into their family and they, this wasn't a disparaging term. It was, yeah. uh, this is what life was like for me. Yeah. There was all, and you know, my brother has started to, um, you know, foster kids and all cool. of a sudden our Christmases have more kids at it and, you know, and different kids at different times hmm. and we love them and we care for them and we buy them presents and we include them in our celebrations and that's the kind of picture I get when we think about the fact that we've been adopted into God's family. Yeah. And so I think that the way that we deal with it is by intentionally um, and unapologetically and, you know, just with with complete, you know, focus, we really stay on this idea of my family is not just, you know, the four people or the six people or the three people or the, the whatever bubble, are right <laughs> yeah we have to think bigger and yeah. and look for ways to not just include someone in a in a in a clean and easy like hey i'll just invite some like i'm talking invite them into the fabric of our life um, yeah. as family members that that is a is a powerful image to me yeah and i totally get that we're not perfect but guess what i mean do i need to say this out loud the church isn't perfect either you know, we are one of those dysfunctional families for sure. Right. And, and there's times we go through more dysfunction or less dysfunction. But uh, I always joke. The question is not, is your family dysfunctional? It's how is your family dysfunctional? Right? Exactly. And that's, that's where we're at. You know, this side of the fullness of the kingdom. Yeah. Um, oh, it's so good. We could keep going here, but we've got another three weeks of this series. Uh, yeah. I, I hope you're catching a little bit of our our hearts as to why this is so important. 
um, and why this is hard, right? We are, yeah, yeah we're picking a weird time to talk about gathering mm-hmm. in a time where it's so hard, but it's because we think it's so important because we think this is what the kingdom's about, what's what the Bible talks about. It's what Jesus calls us to. So uh, yeah. we're going to wrap it up there. Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening along this week, and we will be back next week with more Postscript. Can't wait. Can't wait.